0: all right bankless nation you know what time it is it's friday morning david tell it to them if they don't know
1: oh it is the weekly roll-up time and like always every single week in crypto is absolutely insane jam-packed with news and we are going to cover all of it in the friday bankless weekly roll-up
0: <laughs> two big things to cover this week david i know you're at missari mainnet i want to ask about that but uh gary gensler new sheriff in town this yeah. is like the return of the SEC. So we're going to be talking about everything that the SEC is doing, maybe some of the, the regulatory FUD that's been injected. Also, is Snoop Dogg an NFT connoisseur? Has he been collecting <laughs> NFTs this entire time? We're going to get to that when we get to the news section as well. But I, but I got to ask you, how's Mainnet, man? You've been gone for a while. These are two back-to-back conferences. You did MCON. Now you're at Mainnet. How are you feeling?
1: Oh, my. I am absolutely exhausted. Uh, I'm going to take today and tomorrow off just because the, the conference wrapped up yesterday. Um, but it's just been an absolute treat just meeting everyone uh, in real life. Again, not, not everyone for the first time, but also a lot of people for the first time. Uh, in real life events are just absolutely irreplaceable. Um, and at some point in time, Ryan, you'll have to go to one.
0: In real life? Are you sure?
1: Yeah, totally.
0: We can't just do this in the metaverse the entire time? <laughs> absolutely not all right before we get in guys wanted to mention uh tracer dow they're doing big things in the perpetuals space i actually got a chance to try them out last week uh, and they wanted us to let the bankless nation know that tracer dow perpetuals are now live now live on arbitrum so it's super exciting this is a way to go 1x 3x long eth or uh, go short you could also do the same thing with bitcoin they have all of these various trading fairs pairs there's also uh, some tracer doubt rewards if you then in turn take that position and stake this is really cool david because it's like one it's on layer two so you get an opportunity to try arbitrum and to you know try at the bridge two these are these are tokenized perpetuals so very little maintenance very little um like requirements in terms of overhead you just have to get into a position and then hold you can hold that for a period of time so really cool new primitive that they are building uh and of course you are exchanging directly with the pool so it's sort of uniswap like mm-hmm. what you need to do that is uh, some usdc some eth to pay for gas bridge across to arbitrum and away you go so we will include a link in the show notes to that really cool primitive
1: yeah, the big unlock here is that this to- position is tokenized, which allows it to be composable with the rest of DeFi. So we can now have leveraged tokens interacting with all the other things in DeFi. Uh, so that's pretty exciting. Also, this, careful with that leverage.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, uh, let's get into markets now, Dave, because this is not the week to go uh, long. <laughs> <I guess laughs> it was definitely Eve, the week on to go short, yep. <laughs> Unless you were, unless you, were um, you know, uh, in and Unless you're holding for the long term, let's say. But uh, what happened with Bitcoin price this week as I pull up the charts?
1: Yeah, Bitcoin started the week at the high, high price of $47,800 and then it fell all the way down to $40,500. Overall, down 8% at the week. We are currently clocking in at $44,300.
0: We're going to talk about why in just a moment, but let's look at the ETH price. Uh, Same story here, right? We had um, definitely a downtrend this week. Um, We're not at the very bottom. We bounced a little bit higher, but what are we looking like right
1: now? Yeah, start of the week at the high of three thousand six hundred dollars and fell all the way down almost a full thousand dollars to two thousand seven hundred and fifty. We are currently at three thousand one hundred and fifty dollars. Overall down twelve percent on the week. Maybe, maybe
0: maybe a combination of like two sort of scares there. One is Everything that's going on in China. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But with uh, Evergrande, this is a sort of a, a real estate property company that has gone completely belly up. Um, but the other mm-hmm. was some of this SEC regulatory FUD. Um, you know, the, these could potentially be signals feeding into this. Some people say, hey, this is all just noise anyway. The market was going to go down regardless of what happened. What's your take here?
1: Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, equities markets are back up to their high before the the big correction as a result of this uh, China scare. So that's that's kind of interesting that equity markets are back to back to normal. Crypto markets not feeling that same relief that equity markets did, and so that kind of lends itself to the whole Gary Gensler SEC's is coming to fight us uh, narrative.
0: Yeah, I think there might be a piece of that. So we'll get to some of that later. Um, but what are we looking at? At on the ratio, what, what are things looking like? This is the ETH to Bitcoin ratio this week.
1: Yeah, ETH Bitcoin at 0, uh, 0.07. Uh, and so uh, I would say that's right in the middle of the range that it's established since uh, the better part of this year. Um, not too much to say there other than like looking pretty healthy. A little
0: bit up on the week. Looking healthy for it, ETH, that is. And total locked in DeFi Pulse. That's taken a plunge as well this week. It's it's back from the lows. We've got $83 billion locked in DeFi at this point in time. So still that $100 billion mark is eluding us. Every week right. we say that, but we haven't quite reached it. Um, teasing we'll us, what, teasing it's us a it's lot. teasing us. How about DeFi tokens? How do they look on the week? I'm going to scroll yeah. to the week from
1: the month. That's uh, definitely down. Yeah, yeah that is a, a straight line down. Started the week at roughly $410, hit the low of $280, so absolutely punched. Came back and reclaimed $320. Overall down almost 20% on the week.
0: DPI, DeFi tokens down 20% on the week. Definitely took a beating. How about when you take the DPI... That's the DeFi Pulse tokens and create a ratio of that uh, versus ETH that looks like we are at the 0.10 mark right now. So also maybe Oof. maybe flat, Oof. maybe a little bit down in the week.
1: Overall, that, that trend, that the downtrend that started in March continues to point downward. So not looking so hot for the DPI ETH ratio.
0: Yeah, it's almost like um, there was sort of a risk-off event yep. given this regulatory fud and, and maybe the, the China the China scare as well that's um, hitting the more risky assets a little bit harder in crypto. Yep. Um, well, let's talk about the bed index. This is where we combine all three and see what it looks like. You'd expect that to be down, though it shouldn't be down as much as DPI. Uh, what are we looking at on the week?
1: Yeah, down 13% on the week, started at around $160, fell to the low, low price of $114. So another punch to the gut. It then has reclaimed $135. Overall, like I said, down 13% on the week.
0: Absolutely. Okay, how about layer two? Uh, How much we have locked in layer two this week? It's looking like $3.3 billion. That's a bit down on the week as well. Uh, Any comment here?
1: Overall, it's still very, very young for L2s. And so I still kind of think that even with the decline in prices, we're going to see uh, just increased assets actually moving over. Uh, and so in combination with more assets moving on to L2s and then those assets also decreasing in value, we're kind of flat. But I bet you next week we are uh, resuming up on this. These are, of course, uh,
0: all true Layer 2s. So they don't include proof-of-stake sidechains like Uh, Polygon, but of course, Polygon also has a layer two solution called uh, Hermes. And I thought this was interesting. Polygon is apparently seeing all time high numbers of users. They just did a 17% increase in daily active users. I've not seen this chart before, but looks like they now have over 200,000 daily active users on the Polygon network at this point in time, which I mean, that's a lot. That's like, it's a lot. You, know, a, a, you know, medium-sized U.S. city, I suppose, mm-hmm. now on this Polygon uh, side chain. And if you look at the growth charts, it's just kind of up hockey only. stick up. up yeah, up it's only. up yep. only, even despite the downturns. And he takes there.
1: Yeah, I think this is just the proof-of-stake sidechain, not the other components of the Polygon ecosystem. Uh, I would like to see the comparables between the proof-of-stake sidechain and all the other aspects of Polygon. But overall, congratulations to Polygon. Continued success. I
0: think most of the growth is definitely happening in the sidechain, the proof-of-stake sidechain right now. Although Polygon is trying to expand more into layer 2. We know that. Um, this is an interesting number as well. We've talked so much, David, about EIP-1559 and the burn. It's interesting if it modeled what would have happened. And apparently, since EIP-1559 was implemented, um, miners, of course, they have hardware, they have energy costs, they have expenses, they have overhead in the real world. So when they receive ETH, they have to sell it to pay for all Mm -hmm. of those Mm real-world expenses. Well, now, because they're getting less ETH Issuance, effectively, because EIP 1559 is 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 burning it, not giving them um, that uh, that that fee issuance. Rather than burning it, they are um, they're
1: they're not burning it.
0: So what is this? What is this um,
1: tweet telling us, David? They're saying that instead, if uh, we didn't have EIP-1559, miners would have sold over 400,000 Ether. Uh, but because we do have EIP-1559, they only have sold 150,000 Ether. So especially this is, becomes increasingly important under proof of stake where the value of the Ether represents security of the network. The less and less we can sell Ether, the more and more secure we, we have a proof of stake system. Uh, and as we all know, proof of work is basically a race to sell. The, the coin, right? It's proof of selling. Uh, and selling reduces security. And we like security.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think this all feeds into the ETH supply shock that we're going to see. This is beginning with EIP-1559. But now, pretty soon when the merge happens, so maybe call it Q1 of uh, 2020, then we get a 90% decrease in issuance as well. And uh, I think um, <laughs> I think that's going to be a narrative we talk a lot about in the weeks to come. Um, let's get back to sort of the the main macro, you know, uh, I guess con- conversation here, which is Evergrande. Uh, this is Sahil Bloom, who wrote. A fantastic thread on what is going on with Evergrande in the China story. We don't usually cover things outside of crypto unless they're big enough, unless they're macro enough to actually affect crypto. And I think in this case, David, they actually did affect crypto. Um, So Sahil goes through a breakdown of the story. But the TLDR is uh, Evergrande is a Fortune 500 real estate developer in in China. Um, At its core... It is a home-building business, so it had 1,300 projects across 280 Chinese citizens. Uh, it's also a developer, and what it did, it, it was growing uh, fantastically, spectacularly, sort of a, a you know, Chinese real estate darling, uh, but it funded this growth through massive amounts of debt. I feel like Oops. the U.S. banking and real estate industry has heard this story before as well. Here it is playing out in China. What ended up happening is, uh, you know, billionaires were created on the way up, the debt burden grew, and now the entire thing is crumbling. The entire thing is uh, dissolving. Um, the debt is kind of weighing Evergrande down, and they're not able to pay their ever-growing uh, obligations. So. Uh, what's happening, I believe, is the Chinese government is looking to bail them out. But I think there's a global macro scare about a potential Chinese uh, real estate kind of bank debt crisis that's that's catalyzed by this. It might not be just Evergrande, it might be some other Chinese companies. And David, we're actually going to have the author of this Tweet thread, Sahil Bloom, who's a financial educator and investor in the space, I think has some great takes. We're going to have him on the podcast on Tuesday to go into this story in a bit more depth, maybe ask some question, uh, crypto questions as well.
1: China has definitely been increasing its relevance with the rest of the world, especially in the last few years or so. And so I think it's definitely an important lesson to learn about how much can Chinese markets impact the rest of the world. Fun fact, China doesn't like it when uh, native Chinese people invest in America. There's definitely capital controls, capital restrictions, but they really, really like it when US investors invest in China because it's kind of like a way to kind of have a hold on the United States markets. So China is very, very privy to this and we are uh, becoming more and more attached to the hip with China as time goes on. So these are some of the questions that we're going to ask Sahil.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Guys, we will be back with the releases of the week. And of course, the news of the week, going to be talking Gensler, going to be talking Snoop Dogg. But before we do, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible.
1: Living a bankless life requires taking control of your own private keys, not your keys, not your crypto. That's why so many in the bankless nation already have their Ledger hardware wallets, which makes proper private key management a breeze. But the Ledger ecosystem is more than just a secure hardware wallet. Ledger is the combination of the Ledger hardware wallet and the Ledger Live app. And if you're used to seeing all of your crypto services and favorite dApps all in one place, Ledger is where you want to be. Not only does Ledger let you buy crypto assets straight from the app, but it also hooks into decentralized exchange aggregators like Paraswap, which makes sure that you are getting the best prices on your trades without your assets ever leaving your control. DeFi never stops growing and the Ledger Live app grows alongside with it. So click the link in the show notes to see all the DeFi apps that Ledger Live has and stay tuned as more and more apps come online. And if you don't have a Ledger hardware wallet, what are you even waiting for? Go to ledger.com, grab your Ledger, download Ledger Live, and get all of your dApps all in one place. Arbitrum is an Ethereum scaling solution that is going to completely change how we use DeFi. If you've been using Ethereum for the past 12 months, you've probably noticed the high gas fees and the slow confirmation times that have been plaguing DeFi. Too many people want to use Ethereum and it doesn't have enough capacity for all of us. That's where Arbitrum comes in. Arbitrum is a layer two to Ethereum, which means Arbitrum can increase Ethereum's throughput by orders of magnitude at a fraction of the cost of what we are used to paying. When interacting with Arbitrum, you can get the performance of a centralized exchange while tapping into Ethereum's level of security and decentralization. This is why people are calling this Ethereum's broadband moment, where we get to add performance onto decentralization and security. If you're a developer and you want to save on gas costs and make an overall better experience for your users, go to developer.offchainlabs.com to get started building on Arbitrum. If you're a user, keep an eye out for your favorite DeFi apps building on Arbitrum. Arbitrum has been working with over 300 teams, including Ethereum's top infrastructure projects, and will be opening up to all users shortly. There are so many apps coming online to Arbitrum, so you may want to pack your bags in preparation for the great migration to the Arbitrum layer two. To keep up to speed with Arbitrum, follow them on Twitter, at Arbitrum, and join their Discord.
0: Guys, we are back with the releases of the week. Let's start with Yearn, which is a, f- a fantastic DeFi product we talked about many times on Bankless. Apparently, they have just released their V3 to users. I think this is mainly an innovation, maybe a facelift on their user interface, which has like famously not been amazing, and this is an upgrade to that user interface.
1: Yeah, urine has definitely had more interfaces that kind of make it seem like they're not taking things seriously. A lot of uh, colors and playful. random placements. Yeah, it was playful, uh, but this looks a, a lot more like it's optimized serious. for, yeah. um, just, you know, financial, financially minded people. Uh, it looks like it's taking itself a lot more serious, uh, seriously now. So, uh, congrats to the urine team on the fantastic facelift.
0: Absolutely. Let's talk about the second release, uh, CoinVise V3. This is a, um, I believe a social token issuance Mm -hmm. and maybe administration platform. I don't know a ton of details about this, David, but what's the high level take?
1: Yeah, overall, there's uh, growing infrastructure for social tokens, uh, and that what that's what CoinVise is doing, is trying to make it easier for people that have communities to manage their community using the token. Uh, and so I think as more and more infrastructure like this gets built out, we're only going to see more and more social tokens, uh, and that, in my mind, is a very, very untapped pool of potential, because influencers like to influence, and if they can get a tool to help them influence even more, uh, they're just going to absolutely uh, adopt that new technology
0: let me ask you have you changed your mind on social tokens there was a time where you were super bearish on social mm. tokens i uh, was bearish
1: on personal tokens um social tokens i think are different but the blur- the lines between those two things are blurred um,
0: why why were you bearish and what makes you more less bearish now and more i guess um embracing of them or enthusiastic about them
1: yeah, I just was getting flashbacks to the ICO days, where like people people are actually raising money on personal tokens, and I did not think that as an industry we were ready for that yet. People saying like, hey, doing a, literally a personal token sale, like not unlike what we saw during the ICO craze, like an like an IPO except the the P
0: is personal, initial yeah, personal exactly. offer. Yeah,
1: that scared me, uh, and so I uh, voiced my concerns about that, uh, and. If, if Hopefully, that kind of staved off the, that whole phenomenon until we were actually ready for it. Uh, and now I think we are closer and closer to be actually being ready for it. And a, part, a big part of that story is actually having the infrastructure.
0: Social tokens are, are much different. I mean, there's generally no, no uh, initial raise. So there's right. no selling to the public. Right. Um, but you are kind of coordinating a community and, and giving them mm-hmm. rewards. So it's sort of yep. only upside. Uh, are there any other major differences in your mind? Is it? It's like some of the early personal tokens were very much tied to like you got to, like, um, tell someone what to do, right. or, like, issue them commands, or some it was also, like, portion of their revenue upside. Yeah. It was very, rep it was share kind agreements,
1: of right. mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that a very important differentiator is that because social tokens generally are airdropped to communities that already exist, and so they're meant to bolster a community, whereas some of the personal tokens that I saw were trying to, because of the token existing in the first place, it would make a community. I thought that was just, like, the putting the cart before the horse. Well, we are starting to get some infrastructure. That's the story behind coin buys the ability
0: to mint airdrop lock and reward uh community members this is also cool david i feel like we predicted this uh, for a while i remember saying this in the early days of bankless that you know, we were providing Bankless is providing an education that soon they'll they'll teach in business schools. Mm-hmm. And here's uh, Berkeley University, as well as uh, or uh, Berkeley University of California, as well as University of Illinois, Stanford, Imperial College of London. They have a decentralized finance class. Now, I'm not sure if this is. Um, actually a, a free class it seems like some of the material at least is I don't know if it's you know it provides a credit but I went through some of the material David and it's actually like pretty impressive in fact I saw some sort of a uh, bankless content in some of the nice. slides not nice. directly our content but like um let me show you let me show you something I think you'll recognize if I can find it here uh remember yeah, this, this is
1: <laughs> oh yep <laughs> I remember that
0: yep so, like these slides, uh, you know, Bankless and DeFi making its way into university campuses, which is um, yeah, pretty cool to see. I think we saw a little Actually. bit of that last year. I mean, mm-hmm. I know there have been some general cryptocurrency courses over the years, like what is blockchain, this sort of thing, but this is a DeFi course specifically. And uh, Berkeley said they needed to offer this because there was overwhelming demand from the mm-hmm. student population. Like, mm-hmm. no kidding. I mean, right. if I was a college kid and you were teaching me about DeFi and I'm I unlocked this entire new world. It, like, this would be my favorite class. <laughs> like, Absolutely. Not any yeah. others. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know. University campuses aren't necessarily the best way to learn crypto. Like, you learn crypto and you learn DeFi by, by doing it, by plugging in, by getting involved, by listening to resources like Bankless. But I am super excited that they are starting to teach this because I feel like it's uh, been totally missed for a while.
1: Yeah, no, 100%. Um, I would not miss a single class if I was attending that, that that university. Absolutely. Are you implying
0: that you used to miss some of your classes, David? No, no, nah, nah,
1: never, never, never.
0: <laughs> all, all right, all Zerion, this is cool. Um, I've seen some people do this with their NFTs. That is, put their NFT on like an Apple Watch face, <laughs> right? Because you can do that. You can customize your Apple Watch faces. Uh, this is Zerion providing a way for you to do that like automatically I'm not sure exactly how it works we'll include a link in the show notes but i think if you have an nft that you want to display and you have an apple watch uh, you can tap into Xerion and just get that set up so you're displaying your uh, nft on your apple watch um, do you have an apple watch david
1: uh, I used to, but I returned it because I just didn't find myself actually using it all that much. It's just but like a lot of noise, we, yeah. Yeah, it's just like I I don't need my wrist to vibrate. Like I don't need <laughs> to be that hooked into a chip all the time. But I do think that there is a very missing world uh, about flexing NFTs in real life, right? As as in w- with actual like you know things that you wear, uh, and so this is I think part of that story.
0: Yeah, it totally is. I, I think there's a, there's a story of like integrating NFTs and Web three and crypto into the real world, and now we're putting it on devices. I wouldn't be surprised to see Apple natively support this mm. at some mm-hmm. point in time, like their own Apple NFT, like iNFT or something. I don't who knows what they'll <laughs> brand it as. Um, all right, Robinhood is rolling out wallet, uh, crypto wallets and and transfers. Actually. The ability to transfer from Robinhood to a crypto wallet. This is something we've criticized Robinhood for for a while like it's great you're onboarding people into uh, crypto assets but these are all like Robinhood crypto assets right right users don't retain any custody of their assets they can't even withdraw it from the platform right. so this is Robinhood allowing users to withdraw their Doge withdraw their ETH withdraw their Bitcoin withdraw whatever they purchase on on Robinhood to real self custodial crypto uh, which is a good step. I feel like it's somewhat like of a baby step. Some of us like reticent to like clap for this. <laughs> but like also it's cool. I mean Robinhood has an absolutely massive demographic that um, is not generally crypto native. And this isn't a way to onboard them into
1: more crypto native tools. Yeah, no. This is a very important step for Robinhood to even like I mean, key, stay competitive with the rest of the crypto world. They needed to be able to onboard actual assets, allow users to actually have a wallet. It's a very it's a very important thing to actually learn how to manage a wallet and a private key. Uh, and like you said, like Robinhood has so much surface area with so many different people. Um, and so I applaud them for making finally making this move. And Robinhood, like, don't stop. Keep going. Like, do more stuff. I heard recently
0: like um, 40% of all Robinhood crypto revenue is from Doge, just alone. Oh my God. Right? Like Robinhood Man. users love Doge. Yeah. I bet right? you they
1: actually don't care about actually self custodying their doge.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see. This is it, this is super cool. This is great for decentralization that Robinhood is adding this. They're they're feeling kind of market pressure and maybe user pressure to add this. We'll see how many people end up using it. But it, it's nothing but good news, I think, for the crypto industry. Guys, two I hope more Robinhood
1: quick- knows how much how many support requests they're about to get from people who sent their money to the wrong spot. Oh, that, God. they're about to get punched with that for sure. <laughs> it's true
0: uh all right two more quick things uh one is bankless nation bankless DAO season two launch party that is happening on october 8 2021 at 11 a.m that is going to be live on twitter spaces if you're plugged into twitter you can access that this is all about what the DAO is cooking up for uh season two um i, I paid attention at a high level of this I, i'm looking mm-hmm. forward to digging into all of the season two plans but like I always feel like, you know, hey, season two of The Office was like the best. You know, Mm -hmm. that's when the show really hit its stride. I feel like season one for Adal, this is a a period of time, I think, for for Bankless Dow it's like four or five months. This next season will be another, I think, three months. Um, This is sort of a a period of time where, where Adal sprints on various activities. But in season one, they were really just forming. And now they're starting to hit their stride, figuring out what they're supposed to do, what their purpose in the world is, and uh, they're executing on it. So if you're interested in joining for, to see what's going on in a DAO, to see what's going on in Bankless DAO, go check that out. We'll include a link in the show notes. You can
1: RSVP and put it on your calendar. Yeah. Season one was all about, all right, we have a DAO now. What do we do with it? And yeah, exactly. now season two is like, okay, like we've got the answers. Let's actually start to, to build some stuff. So nice job, Dow. Speaking of which, one
0: of the answers is apparel. I think they're going to be doubling down on apparel. This is some mm-hmm. awesome, like, collegiate apparel that the Bankless Dow is uh, dishing out. What's the story
1: on this, David? Yeah, I was uh, recently at MCON, which was Meta Cartel's uh, convention in Denver, and MetaFactory, which is the uh, spinoff out of uh, Meta Cartel that does all of the apparel. They, they, in collaboration with the DAO, do make the DAO's apparel, right? And the amount of bankless, like, swag I saw at MCON was absolutely insane. Uh, it was like at least 50% of like the meta uh, meta factories apparel that I saw there was like Bankless uh, Dow apparel, so that was pretty cool. Um, this uh, this drop right now, if you guys are listening to this on Friday, you uh, you have to get it if you want it. You have to get it today because the sale ends tonight at 11:59 uh, EST. So if you are listening to this on Friday, you have only a few hours left to snag this drop.
0: And don't forget, when you check out, make sure you put in an ETH address so you receive some robot tokens. They Mm -hmm. distribute that every once in a while. It's kind of a loyalty program for people that purchase from Metafactory. All right, let's get to the raises of the week. There are some absolutely massive ones. Uh, The first is from SoRare. We talked about SoRare often. Uh, They just raised $680 million. That is a large number. Okay, the valuation of SoRare. This, once again, SoRare is an NFT fantasy football in the U.S., we'll call it soccer league. Um, Four point three billion dollars is the valuation of this Series B investment. Absolutely incredible growth story, of course. All of this is happening on Layer Two Ethereum, which is super cool to see as well. So this is zk Rollup Ethereum. Um, I don't, I don't know what they're going to do with all of that money, quite honestly. But I, I have to imagine there's some some massive growth growth mm-hmm. plans that they they intend to massively scale, maybe to
1: other sports. What's your take on this? Yeah, $680 million is an absolutely monster raise. Uh, and I could only imagine that at least some of that is going to go to marketing. Uh, and so I think we're going to see a lot of uh, uh, not, not just Sovere, but also definitely Sovere, start to market their products in more traditional means. Like maybe straight up TV commercials during the commercials behind the actual games that are being played. Right. Uh, I mean, where, where do people who care about football where do they go they watch tv uh, so i bet you we see some silver commercials coming in uh, shortly
0: right, what i love about this is all of this uh, like this growth budget goes into bringing more people into the crypto economy bringing more people into the ethereum economy and sort of draws all of the normies right like mm-hmm. maybe you don't care about crypto you don't care about bankless you don't care about anything we're talking about in this show you just want a hot nft of your favorite like football player okay and you see a commercial. You're watching. You're watching a game. You see a commercial. You hit click, and before you know it, you're creating an ETH wallet, right? Like, yep. how mm-hmm. crazy is that? Uh, so, congrats on so rare for that raise. Another big raise, BitClout. So this is a decentralized social network. Um, on the blockchain I believe this is this is not an ethereum this is sort of a fork of some sort of proof of work chain yeah. they just mm-hmm. raised 200 million dollars from a16z and a few others I've actually used Bitclout, um like once I think to collect like the bitcloud uh, tokens mm-hmm. um, I think they, they ported a whole bunch of crypto people's accounts from Twitter onto bitcloud but what's your take here is this sort of the uh, mm-hmm. decentralized social network future. Do you think this is th- this has a future, or um, what about it?
1: Yeah, so this is actually not not bitclout, this is the bitclout creator who apparently the story is that he used bitclout as kind of like a proof of concept or you know, or something just to prove out that this actually this new product, which is apparently called DSO for decentralized social, um. Uh, And so apparently it was like the alpha for this, which is now receiving $200 million from A16Z and others. Uh, Why a proof of work blockchain? I have no clue. Um, But we do know that people like to invest a lot of money into layer ones. And so maybe it was a strategy to optimize for uh, raising funds. Um, But again, like I don't know why you would build it as an actual blockchain. That's what the app layer is for. Um, I'm a little bit confused on that.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see this one play out. I, I'm kind of undecided whether this is like, um, you know, a great experiment or like genius, or whether it's sort of like, hey, everything's pumping. I better mm-hmm. raise some capital right. now. The Correct. last, um, the, the the last funding that BitCloud founder received, uh, Nader, was from Basis. If you recall, mm-hmm. that was an algorithmic mm-hmm. stablecoin in like the 2017, 2018 era. And um, that didn't work out for many reasons, some of which were regulatory. And he, they the team ended up uh, refunding all of the investors their, their money. So, you know, what does that mean? Maybe maybe second time's the charm. I'm not sure. I, I can't decide. Maybe I'll have to use BitClout some more and, and figure sure. it out for myself. Um, David, another raise from Dapper Labs, so $250 million, I feel like they just raised a few yeah. months ago. Um, and now they're raising more. $7.6 billion valuation round for Dapper Labs. That, that is the maker of um, NBA Top Shots, mm-hmm. uh, CryptoKitties. Um, they have a blockchain as well that is kind of a called Flow. It's sort of an ETH competitor eth killer if you will specifically for
1: nfts any takes on this yeah like you said they just raised and so like there's that uh rick and morty meme of the robot asking rick what his purpose is and it's like what is your purpose you raise money like where is all this money coming from like i guess we're just aping in hundreds of millions of dollars into l1 chains that are application specific it seems very odd
0: yeah, it seems odd, and yet NBA Top Shots has gen- generated a massive amount of revenue. So right. this is not like the twenty seventeen era like ICOs where people right. were just you know hoping for things. <sighs> um mm-hmm. dapper labs actually has revenue it's generated off of this and one one assumes the investors are, are valuing it based on some of that revenue generation potential so i'm not sure what this means but definitely if you're an entrepreneur in the space now's the time to raise right. and people are doing yeah. it uh david let's talk about jobs because now is also the time to get a job in crypto if you haven't already done that one way to do it is go check out the Bankless job boards. Got some hot new jobs of the week. The first is a community manager for Aragon. Aragon is a decentralized autonomous organization protocol, a platform, OGs in the space. Check out that position if you are interested in helping get a community up and going. Also. Looking for a founding blockchain engineer at Highlight, a senior software programmer from Popcorn, that community lead position from Popcorn, as well a senior front-end Web3 developer at Tracer DAO. These are all positions that uh, that you can use to to kickstart your crypto career if you're not already here. 100%.
1: Get a job. We just talked about all these uh, different uh, blockchains and L1s raising a bunch of money. That money could become your salary. Uh, So (laughs) get a job.
0: Absolutely. All right. News of the week. David, we got to start here. Gary Gensler, new sheriff in town, the revenge of the SEC. So much to talk about with Gary Gensler. Maybe we should start here. Um, They... Uh, Gary Gensler did an interview with the Washington Post called The Way Forward Cryptocurrency. I don't know if you got a chance to watch this this interview, but I know you saw this clip. Any Mm. high-level takes on this uh, before we get into the detail?
1: Yeah, it feels very much like uh, nanny Gary Gensler, like coming into our industry and taking care of us and making sure we're super duper protected and we have all the regulations. It's weird, but it's weird that he was really asking for like more transparency out of the financial products that he sees in crypto. I'm like, dude, like how much more transparency do you want? Literally, it's a public ledger. You can't get any more transparent. Like, what what are you actually asking for? Uh, and so it seems to be like he's just using all of these very basic words to convince people that don't know about crypto that the SEC needs to regulate crypto.
0: There's definitely been an anti-Gary Gensler, anti-SEC uh, vibe that's that's going on in cryptos because the SEC feels like you know it's increasingly uh, combative with the industry, right? Like canceling Coinbase uh, lend accounts and um, removing its ability to, to come to market. Um, and and th- this is kind of another step. What I think is interesting is Gary chose not to at least for this specific interview i'm glad he's engaging but he chose to do it in the washington post which is like hardcore institutional media right Mm -hmm. a lot of other Mm -hmm. crypto media organizations that would love to talk to him bankless included so if uh gary or anyone from sec is is listening we'd love to have gary on the podcast to talk more about these crypto specific issues but this was uh very much for the washington post audience uh and like kind of the the institutions even the interviewer I, th- I, fe- I felt like i don't know david did you watch the the did you get a chance to watch the full interview no no i haven't no but um so i i watched the video and i had mm-hmm. like a few notes a few takes on this you want to hear him absolutely hit me all right so like the first is i think everyone who's listening to this has to realize that gary gensler knows his shit like he knows his shit from a technical perspective. So at MIT, he was a professor at MIT and he taught about crypto and blockchain courses. And I I saw a number of those courses. He knows what he's talking about. He knows his way around the technology. He knows enough to be dangerous in this space. Um, And his feedback in this interview was, I find the technology very interesting. He says this. I do think this technology is interesting. It's pushing central banks, he said. It's pushing fintech. Uh, that's why he chose to teach it at MIT. So he thinks the technology is like maybe academically interesting, and he thinks that it's a catalyst for change, which he seemed to appreciate. So I guess maybe that's uh, the good side. Um, one other thing thing that I think came through in this conversation is he's definitely not interested in sitting back. So he wants to be ultra proactive. It, it kind of is like, hey, Jay Clinton was the old sheriff, you know, he did some stuff, not a lot, but there's a new sheriff in town, crypto. And I plan to get ahead of some of these issues. He mentioned that a number of times. He said this quote, I don't think technologies last long except outside the public policy. Okay. And I feel like he has badged himself and made it part of his mission to bring crypto into public policy, to like merge those things together, even if um, like the policy isn't ready for crypto, or maybe the policy was written in the 1930s and does not pertain or needs to be rewritten. I don't think he quite sees it like that. He, he wants to see a uh, merging, so he intends to be really proactive.
1: Okay, Th- those are those are all interesting takes. I'm worried. That Gary Gensler doesn't actually want to talk to crypto people. I think he wants to stay inside of his own comfort zone when it comes to media. Um, he, I, I remember hearing about how he used the term "stable value coins" when he was referring to um, uh, when he was referring to stable coins, and people were uh, speculating that that was alluding to stable value funds, which are an SEC. Uh, uh, Regulated product, uh, and so I think he's being very strategic with what he says and where he says it. And I, th- my suspicion is that if he were to come on a show like Bankless or any other crypto show, it would him he he wouldn't not be in like friendly territory, right? He wouldn't have the freedom to craft these narratives because he, we would totally call him out on some stuff. We would want we would drill down into specifics. We would ask the questions that we would want to ask, and we would ha- and we would he would not um, have the you know, like the home field advantage. So I'm cons- I'm worried that like Gary only broadcasts to the crypto industry but doesn't actually come and join us.
0: Well, what's interesting is like and definitely actions speak louder than words. But his words are actually the opposite of that, David. So in the in the conversation he was having with with the interviewer of the Washington Post, um, he, he said this: "Our door is open." but people aren't coming in it's kind of like hey industry crypto industry you guys are a bunch of like cowboys like i understand what you're doing is like technologically disruptive but if you want to do something come and ask doors open Mm -hmm. just like come ask our permission we'll have a good faith talk about it and then you'll be off on your way and um you know it'll all be fine so he very much maintains a posture of the door is open, but it's again, it's like you're saying, actions speak louder than words. And if he was serious about opening the door, he would do what Hester Pierce did, I think, what mm-hmm. some CFTC commissioners in the past have done. It's just like show up at crypto conferences, right? Mm-hmm. Engage the community, um, talk to us. I mean, we're not criminals, we're not hucksters. we're not like trying to defraud people. We're trying to grow a better, more transparent, open financial system for the world. I think there are some some shared goals. One of the goals he he went back to in that conversation, David, was like the interview asked why does the SEC uh, exist and it's like to protect investors like he said it i I'd, mm-hmm. I'd love to dive into what he thinks that means, right, right? because like totally. crypto has a shared goal of like wanting to Create better conditions for investors as well, the, mm-hmm. but the SEC's uh, like way forward means protecting investors from like four percent yield on a Coinbase lend account, right? right? Like, is that mm-hmm. really protecting investors? Um, but one of the things I was the reason I watched the full interview too is I, I was trying to figure out like New Cop on the Beat. He said that they have robust authorities over crypto and they're going to use them. These are some of his words. It's like I was trying to figure out. Where's the SEC going to target next? And it felt to me, if you read between the lines, and you sort of inferred some of this too, is if you raised money, if you're an ICO, like look out, okay, number one. So if you raised money from unaccredited investors in the US, I think you have a target on your back. Uh, number two, stable coins, I feel like have a target on their back as well. I'm not sure how that's gonna play out. I think that's gonna be a combination of SEC plus treasury Trying to take some sort of action, maybe it'll require uh, congressional like new legislation through that process. But I think that's got sort of a uh, a target on its back, particularly centralized stablecoins, right? So the the USDCs of the world, and the third area is lending and staking, which he didn't get into a lot. But like those three areas, I feel like have targets on their back, and particularly he kept using the term platforms, which I think means more centralized exchanges, centralized entities. Yep. So the Coinbase's and Gemini's and block FI's of the world, uh, less so decentralized finance. He actually said something positive about decentralized finance being a catalyst for change. Um, but if I was in the, those three areas, I would be like relatively worried, I guess.
1: Yeah, no, I I do think that the SEC is kind of like prepping for um bigger and bigger moves when it comes to the, the crypto world.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, he's clearly sort of an institutionalist. Um I I don't think this is the end of the world, right? I think there'll be some enforcement actions, but like at the end of the day, it'll be fine. I do feel mm-hmm. like David we're, the crypto is kind of like DDoS attacking um the regulators, mm-hmm. right? right? So like how do you bring uh, thousands of tokens like right. to court. And like, do you even have the staff to, to go do that? Right. I mean, this yep. goes to a conversation we'll talk about a little bit later. But um, this was also interesting. At the same time, this conversation about crypto was published in the Washington Post, Gary Gensler tweeted this right after, which was a, an appeal to freshmen in college or, or any college student to start saving early and start saving regularly right uh so if you stock away five dollars a week you know eight percent yield. i guess that's investing in the stock market you know uh by the time you're 65 you'll have a hundred thousand dollars right um <laughs> i think this felt to many in crypto like the wrong time for this right. sort of um you know th- this sort of appeal to to millennials and and gen z what's your take on this
1: yeah, it. Uh, I generally th- have more nefarious thoughts about this um, because, like, he's uh, he's saying like, hey, just save five dollars a week. All you got to do is save five dollars a week. The United States printed twenty six percent of all outstanding dollars last year, and so like, if we want to uh, view like the value that, and that changes the value of what you save. And when he's saying like, you know, save five dollars a week, what he's saying is, hey put put $5 a week into your bank account so the banks can go get the yield right and that this is what banks do they take your money and then they get even more yield on it and they don't give you back all of the yield that they get they keep it for themselves and and so like Gary Gensler who like like you said is an institutionalist to me he's just advocating he's he's like indoctrinating all of these young folks in the world to like be a part of the banking system which has cut out So many returns from so many of its customers for the last like for decades, Uh, and so uh, it's it's very much the opposite of uh, the values that I stand for, and it's it's the same advice that we've heard for the last like thirty years, and I and I think there's a lot of institutions out there that are taking advantage of that the fact that like this is the quote unquote like formal advice, like oh yeah, save five dollars a week. That's not working for people. It hasn't been working for people.
0: It just feels like an elite baby boomer take on this, right? Yeah. It's like millennials, uh-huh. if only stop spending money on coffee, and he actually mentioned coffee, coffee and avocado toast, right? And just save your money and, and put it in the bank account, right? Mm-hmm. Then you too could be rich one day, right? It's like nothing against long-term thinking and, and saving, but like, right. I, the reason I don't think he, it's actually effective indoctrination, David, is because college students aren't dumb, Right? They're looking at a .01 percent mm-hmm. interest rate in their savings account, and they're going like, "Wow!" Right. Like, mm-hmm. like, "Why?" Mm-hmm. How? And, and they're looking at the stock market, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, eight percent average maybe over the long run, but they evaluate stocks versus crypto, and mm-hmm. what do you think they're buying? They're, mm-hmm. So uh, you know, I, I think Gary Gensler' is about to have a bunch of college students who are like asking questions about crypto during his office hours, rather, mm-hmm. than, rather than people asking, you know, how they can save their money and put it in a bank account. It just feels like patronizing, you yeah. know, it's like crypto is the largest opportunity for our, for our generation, for millennials, mm-hmm. for, for Gen Z, and to not acknowledge that it even exists or that's viable and to like crack down on it without giving viable alternatives I think is, uh, it's terrible. It's short sighted. It's frustrating. It's annoying. And no wonder they're getting some pushback on this stuff.
1: Yeah. And th- this is why literally every other generation gets frustrated by the boomers, right? Because the boomers just say, think that because it worked for my generation, it'll work for your generation too. Forgetting that like the boomers haven't let go of all of the institutions <laughs> that made them, made th- their generation one of the wealthiest generations of all time. And so I, like I said, it's very, very nefarious where he's cracking down on Coinbase uh, lens products while he's saying, like, oh yeah, save five, but, but meanwhile, don't look at this crypto thing. Save five dollars a week and like like you said he's talked about like hey instead of going out for coffee you can make coffee at home all right so you're just gonna suck the joy out of life like <laughs> hey like coffee at the coffee shop tastes better and he's saying like no suffer suffer I, and, and save so you can I, put the money in the banks i mean we haven't
0: even addressed like student debt and the rising costs right. of, of going <laughs> to university which is like a whole nother can of worms but uh mm-hmm. let's keep going because we're not done with the sec story another thing that happened right. while you were there was an attendee, actually a speaker, at the Missouri Mainnet. Mainnet. At the Mainnet conference, right? The Mainnet conference was actually um, served papers, mm-hmm. right, subpoenaed by the SEC. Um, there's some conversation, like, we don't know who exactly this person, who this person was. Some say it's the one of the founders of uh, the Terra chain, mm-hmm. Do Kwon, I believe. Others, like, there's some conflicting reports about that. It almost doesn't matter. It's like, wow, the SEC actually, when they show up at a crypto conference, they show up to serve
1: someone papers? Right. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting
0: message. Do you think there was some signal about this?
1: Oh, absolutely. I I mean, even if they didn't intend... For that signal to be signalled, they should have. They sh- should still understand what they're doing, right? Like maybe they maybe <laughs> they didn't intend to intimidate everyone, but that was the net outcome of what they did, right? And so, regardless, it's an intentional choice. Was that um, the
0: vibe at Masari?
1: Where people like, oh shit, like SEC. Just- um, people are still coming to terms with it. Uh, there wasn't okay. too much conversation about it, but I do know that Ryan Selkis was like fired up.
0: Well, let's, talk, let's look at his tweet. But before we do, um, Jake, Jake says this. Two reasons the SEC might do this. This is Jake Travinsky. Um, the Target lives outside of the U.S. and is hard to serve at home. But the SEC knew they'd be in New York City and took advantage of the chance for a personal service. Well, number two, the SEC wanted everyone to see this happen live to send a message or intimidate the industry. That second right. one is, uh, is particularly concerning. But this is what mm-hmm. Ryan
1: Selka said. Why don't you read it out, David? Yeah, Ryan says, if you're wondering when I actually decided to run for Senate, it's when these effers came to my event, didn't buy a ticket, and served one of the speakers a subpoena. Enough talk. More war on our out-of-control regulatory state. Um, Ryan was definitely like, feeling himself at this conference. First off, it was a fantastic conference, a huge success. Uh, <coughs> and uh, it's the conference that Ryan Selkis, who's the person like leading the charge into trying to – uh, you know, reform governance, uh, go- reform our, our, our politics. Pretty more about transparency,
0: how- right, too? Right.
1: Yeah, totally. Uh, and so, like, it, it's, kind of, it's kind of ironic that, like, the, the guy that cares the most about this issue was throwing a conference and the SEC showed up to serve one of his speakers there. He follows up this tweet saying, Selkis 2024, time to <laughs> activate the crypto political machine. Do you think he's actually going to run for Senate? I hope so.
0: I, I mean, so. we need more crypto-native people in the halls of our government. This is kind of the bottom line. It, this is the only way this is going to change. Either we convert them and convince them, and you know, show them the values of crypto, or mm-hmm. someone crypto-native actually enters their turf. Uh, so yep. I hope he does something like this. Um, definitely a lot of messages happening from the SEC. I, I guess this last one, this this was kind of a, a quiet dropping uh, from Coinbase, but. Um, apparently, Coinbase dropped, formally dropped, their planned LEND program. This is a program to lend out crypto assets like Bitcoin and ETH. Um, stuff like this happens at Celsius and BlockFi and uh, Gemini, but they, they plan to drop it after the SEC warning. So uh, some terms of service, I guess, were updated to say that. So the SEC basically scared Coinbase into not offering a 4% yield account to retail investors, which... Rather than not have your coffee would be a good way for college to, kids save, to save money, money. <laughs> yeah. in the future.
1: <laughs> on, a, on a Fintech app on their phone, where they're comfortable with, no, no less, I, I'm kind of bummed that Coinbase didn't take this opportunity to take the fight to the SEC, um, but who maybe knows though, right? game in like, the background?
0: They could be playing some different type of game. Uh, who knows how they're playing it. it? It seemed very clear, at least from their social indications, that, that Coinbase does intend to fight in some way. Um, so we'll see how that sh- shapes up. Anyway, that's Gary Gensler, new sheriff in town. We'll see what the SEC does next. Feels like it shook up some crypto markets long-term. I don't think this will be anything to worry about. But in the short term, who knows? Um, let's talk about of some Ethereum stuff. Is
1: that We can't be regulated.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, talk about some Ethereum stuff.
1: Um, what's Audius doing here, David? Yeah, Audius has onboarded a ton of celebrities: Katie, Perry, Nas, Steve Aoki, the Chainsmokers are all part of the Audius family now. And so they uh, were the celebrities are doing an, a part of an investment round for Audius, uh, which is exactly what Audius needs because Audius is a music platform, uh, and so this is a Web three platform using Web three. Uh, incentives and tokens to bootstrap an alternative to something like Spotify, um, and I, I think that's that's pretty cool. I was uh, talking with a, a girl here at the at the conference about how she wrote a song and, and put it on Audius, and uh, because it, it like uh, landed on like the number one slot for for Audius for a day or so, she was airdropped a bunch of Audius tokens. So the the contributors, the value creators, are getting. Uh, governance control over these platforms, which is just good incentive alignment. I bet the SEC has something to say about that too.
0: Yeah, uh, it's super cool that that's actually what's happening though. Um, this, this is cool as well. The Economist had a story that they ran late last week, on Friday of last week, called da- Down the Rabbit Hole. This is all about decentralized finance. There's actually a really good framing of decentralized finance as well. Um, but like, I have to comment on this. I feel like the magazine covers are getting better, right? (laughs) We had that Pleaser Doubt magazine cover Mm -hmm. in Fortune, which is fantastic. We've got this economist down the rabbit hole. I mean, this is what crypto natives call it all of the time. We're going down the rabbit hole. This is, you know, Journey West. You know, Mm -hmm. these are our metaphors that they're using. They got this story around decentralized finance largely, right? Um, Our magazine covers are getting way better than they were in 2017. I feel like the... uh, the big cover I remember from 2017 was Olaf Carlson Wi on the cover of I think it was Inc. magazine, like with I don't know, just looking like um, how would you even characterize this? Looking like this was sort of a you know um, a money run, and mm-hmm. you know the the ICOs were just like this big kind of scam or, or flash in the pan. Now our magazine covers are actually reflecting what's really going on in crypto. It's refreshing. Mm-hmm.
1: Totally, 100 percent.
0: Um, Zero X Mackie is stepping down. David, what does this mean for the SushiSwap project?
1: Yeah, Zero X Mackie, he's basically been the lead dev behind SushiSwap uh, ever since uh, he took over control from the guy that uh, started it, whose name escapes me. Uh, But he's been the core contributor towards SushiSwap since basically day one. Uh, And he has... um, there's been a transaction, people noticed this when they saw a transaction that removed his address from the uh, governance contract on Etherscan. Uh, and then he has then yet, con- then he uh, then he confirmed that yes, indeed he is stepping down, uh, moving into uh, what he's calling an advisor role. Um, we don't know why, um, but at the end of the day, he could just be tired or burnt out or just wants to move on. Um, and so I-, I guess cheers to Xerox Mackey for taking a new step in life
0: we get to see what happens when a pretty large leader of a project leaves a decentralized project does does it all collapse or does it keep on going my my bet is on the latter but um this is definitely a good experiment to see um, david let's talk layer 2 stuff this is a blog post from the optimism team called the future of optimistic on uh, the future of optimistic ethereum what is this post about and what are they talking about here
1: yeah this is the optimism team uh, broadcasting there design philosophy about how they are doing optimistic roll-ups uh, and so instead of having just a massive suite of code, a, a gigantic code base and deploying on Ethereum, optimism is going for what they are calling a minimum diff as in like how Minimize, can they make the difference between optimism and Ethereum? And so, uh, what they are doing is literally removing as many lines of code as possible while also still having optimistic rollups. And the benefit of this is that when you remove all the as, as many lines of code as possible, when you have an app on the Ethereum main chain. It is extremely easy to just port it over to Optimism. Uh, And having that minimum diff allows for what they are calling one click deployment. Uh, And so you don't actually have to modify any code. The OEVM, the Optimism Ethereum Virtual Machine, is supposed to be minimally differentiated from the EVM, uh, which means anything that's built on Ethereum can easily get deployed towards Optimism. And overall, like, Less code means less bugs, like generally, uh, and so reducing code surface area is reducing bug and exploit surface area, uh, and so the Optimism team has been hard at work in trying to get that minimum diff as minimum as possible, uh, and so they, they uh, have released this blog post talking about all the lines of code that they have removed, and they are going to roll out this new version of Optimism uh, in October, I believe.
0: Uh, Part of the story here is that layer two just keeps marching on, right? So, like, we we don't have time to cover all of the updates, but DAI was just released on Arbitrum, for example. Um, USDC and USDT is now enabled if you, withdrawing from, optimi, uh, from Arbitrum using the HOP network. So there's no delay period on these types of withdrawals. Aztec, which is another um, roll up that we haven't talked about, they're now raising their transaction throughput to 100,000 per transaction. We've got one inch on Arbitrum. So like layer two is just evolving, and it's, it's coming to incorporate all of the tools that you might find on layer one. And uh, I think that's going to continue in the future at even accelerated rate now.
1: 100%. Yeah. No, we are about to. Again, we've been saying it for a while, but it's also becoming more and more true. The rate of growth of L2s is becoming exponential. And so are the celebrity endorsements
0: of things that are going on in crypto and NFTs. I want to start our NFT conversation with this. Look. Is Snoop Dogg an NFT connoisseur? Has he been this guy, Cosmo Medici, all along? He tweeted this out on September 20th. That was th- you know, th- four days ago now. I am Cosmo Medici. Apparently, Cosmo Medici is like a well-known NFT account, sort of a connoisseur of NFTs deep in the space. But a pseudo-anonymous account, no one actually knows who he or she is. At least, we didn't think we did until Snoop Dogg tweeted this out that that he is that person what's your take on this david do you think he is cosmo medici
1: i i think snoop Dogg has a friend who is guiding him down the nft rabbit hole and maybe they share accounts or something but like the language that cosmo medici uh, uh talks about when he tweets is not something i would see snoop Dogg saying um but who knows uh, maybe i'll just take him at his word
0: yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, he says it point blank. And the Cosmo Medici account uh, confirms it. They definitely have a, a totally different style of, of communication. But it seems obvious that somehow Snoop Dogg, if he is not Cosmo Medici, is uh, is intimately involved in this account and this NFT collection. And, wow, I mean, Snoop, Snoop's got, like, what, almost 20 million followers. Oh, my like, God. Uh, <laughs> and he's a business person, right? Yeah, like, uh-huh. he's a talented individual, really great at this sort of thing. So not surprised that he saw NFTs early as well. Snoop, if you're listening, or Cosmo Medici, should I say, we want you on the Bankless podcast. You need to come here and tell us about your crypto journey, sir. We would enjoy that. (laughs) Uh, David, let's talk about Time Magazine. They're releasing some NFTs too. What's going on
1: here? Yeah, this actually just happened about an hour before we are recording this. but Time Magazine has Time Pieces, great name, uh, a first of its kind collection of more than 4,500 original NFTs from over 40 artists around the world. So Time Magazine, getting into NFTs. Uh, and this is one of those NFTs uh, drops that you know spiked gas fees, there was insane demand, not everyone got all the pieces that they want. Um, they were all priced at 0.1 ETH, and they apparently all sold out extremely quickly. Uh, so, congratulations for Time for getting into the world of NFTs.
0: Yeah, they're definitely early, at least from the mainstream media side, to uh, to tap into this and do it in a very crypto-native way, which is super cool. Um, we mentioned before, I think like their editor-in-chief uh, of of Time, maybe their CEO, he is, um, you know, he has an Ethereum address, right? Uh, .eth. So they're definitely very plugged into this scene, uh, which is great. And I guess this next thing is an item from the regulatory section, sort of. This is chain analysis. Apparently, they've been scraping data this entire time, and they have been secretly operating a Bitcoin Block Explorer site called WalletExplorer.com. And they've actually been scraping users' IP addresses who visit this site and interact with it to find leads for who? for law enforcement clients. This is like a honeypot for mm-hmm. uh, crypto users, and um, they're using it to essentially narc on people who law enforcement is, is interested in. Um, guess I'm not surprised, but what's your take on this?
1: Um, I mean, yeah, what do you expect? We have an open, transparent, permissionless you know, ecosystem where the ledger is fully auditable. Like, what do you expect is going to happen? It's a little bit nefarious that they propped up a Block Explorer and they are using that information that people are giving them uh, to, again, narc on them and report. So like, when you type in your address into the Block Explorer, the uh, chain analysis like, links that to your IP address, making the association, well, if you put this address in, it's probably yours. Um, so, like kind of FU chain analysis for doing that, but also like it's what do you expect? It's an open permissionless ledger that we all have. So this is kind of the activities that you would expect to come when everyone can view the ledger.
0: Yeah, crypto is definitely remains uh, a system that it's not smart to do illegal things on right? right? because it is so public and because companies like Chain Analysis exist, which is why I never understood that angle coming from um, you know, politicians and others that like crypto facilitates all of this nefarious activity. It's like if you're doing nefarious activity, you're doing it with $20 bills, $100 bills right. like Benjamins, right? You're not doing it with crypto. At least you shouldn't be. Because uh, chain analysis can figure <laughs> out exactly who you are and yeah. uh, narc on you. Um, all right, regulatory stuff. After BlockFi, New Jersey and Texas, these are two states who went after BlockFi, calling their lending product a security, uh, and uh, trying to trying to ban it in in those states. They are now going after another centralized crypto lending uh, company called Celsius and their crypto interest accounts. Is this just the vice? starting to tighten a little bit more, David.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. And we're just gonna, like I said, we're going to just see this more and more and more. Um, It's again, kind of a bummer that lending platforms, which allow people to save money because they're not in like these approved methods are getting the the vice, Um, it's kind of sad.
0: I don't know what's going to happen here, whether this is gonna drive more people to DeFi, do you think? Or whether the vice is going to grip even tighter and some of this is st- going to start going after um, like developer software developers of DeFi lending products. You have any thoughts on that?
1: Well, if they do, it'll be interesting because we <laughs> can't regulate DeFi. We'll see. We'll see how they do it. Maybe they just go after the people um, don't like it.
0: I uh, one of our first articles on Bankless was about self-directed IRAs because I thought this was like a, a super tool for retail investors. You can basically set up a self-directed IRA and you, you can break your uh, IRA account. This is for American investors, of course, who have these uh, IRA retirement accounts, 401k retirement accounts. You can break it out of brokerage jail. Um, so you essentially, rather than only being able to invest your retirement account in like an e-trade or a charles schwab or a fidelity you can uh buy crypto with it outside of these accounts using a self-directed ira well congress wants to destroy the self-directed ira wants to prohibit you from doing it only approved assets uh, it, this would essentially kill the whole crypto self-directed ira and this language is embedded inside of the infrastructure bill most perniciously yeah. and of course you know, if if you read this entire post, you can you can get into the details of, of why they say they're doing it. Um, a few actors outside of crypto have been using it to uh, harbor, um, like, t- to evade taxes, basically, in uh, in a nefarious way. And so now all of Congress is coming down on the self directed IRA and saying you can no longer use this. Um, to me, this is just another example of like legislative regulatory overreach in our, uh, in our financial markets is completely unnecessary. They, they, they are killing a tool that retail investors would actually use to better their lives, restricting a very small minority who would be using this to, mm-hmm. for tax evasion purposes. So uh, super frustrating. I feel like all the regulatory news this week has been bad. This is just another yep. bit of bad
1: regulatory news. And when we zoom out and remind ourselves that nation states like to account for everything and they like to have their approved assets as the assets that people touch, they don't like crypto assets because it's outside of the control of the nation state. So this is just based off of that truth. Like this is some of the reaction we get from that.
0: Yeah. If they can't control it,
1: they they don't want it.
0: And it's so hard to know whether this is an attack directly on on crypto. Maybe maybe it's probably not. It's definitely an attack on financial freedom, right? Which is uh, is particularly troubling. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing. Absolutely. All right, guys, I am tired of talking about all of the regulatory stuff that is going on. So we're going to get to the takes of the week. But before we do, we want to thank the
1: sponsors that made this bankless episode possible. When you shop for plane tickets, you probably use Kayak, Expedia or Google to compare ticket prices. So why would you limit yourself to just one exchange when you trade crypto? When you make your trades, you want to make sure that you're getting the best possible price on your trade and that you aren't paying high gas costs that you could have otherwise avoided. That's why you should be using Matcha. Matcha routes your orders across all the various DeFi exchanges on Ethereum, Polygon, Binance Smart Chain, and gives you the best possible prices without taking any commissions. Matcha has smart order routing that splits your order across multiple liquidity sources if Matcha sees that it gets you better pricing. Trading on Matcha is super easy because it pulls the liquidity for me into a single easy to use platform. Matcha also allows for you to make limit orders on chain so you can set and forget your DeFi trades and they will go through automatically while you're away. New to Matcha is an integrated fiat on ramp so you can purchase crypto directly with your credit or debit card and have that fiat be instantly traded for any token that has liquidity. When you're making a trade, head over to matcha.xyz bankless and connect your wallet to start getting the best prices and most liquidity when you trade your crypto assets bankless is proud to be supported by uniswap uniswap is a new paradigm in asset exchange infrastructure instead of a cumbersome order book system where trades are matched with other humans uniswap is an autonomous piece of software on ethereum which is what ryan and i call a money robot no human counterparties or centralized intermediaries just autonomous code on ethereum input the token you want to sell and receive the token you want to buy Something brand new in the Uniswap ecosystem is the Uniswap Grants Program is now accepting applications for grants. We have been saying this for a while and we'll say it again. DAOs have money and they are in need of labor. If you think that you have something to contribute to the Uniswap DAO, apply for a grant to Uniswap. Just look at the size of the Uniswap treasury. All right, guys, we are back with some of
0: the hot takes of the week. This is a take from me. Why don't you read it, though? I, I said we weren't <laughs> going to talk about anything regulatory, but, but here we are talking <laughs> about something regulatory. Uh, what, what's this take?
1: Yeah, you say, I'll never forget the advice of former CFTC Commissioner Brian Quintes when I asked him what the crypto industry could do in the face of regulatory attack. And Brian answers, build faster, which for an industry that doesn't like to ask permission is a fantastic take
0: this is such a good take i think from brian uh again this is an episode we did with him a few weeks ago the former cftc commissioner and a very honest answer right and mm-hmm. i think what he was getting at here is like if crypto can build utility and value and saturation faster than the regulators can respond and react and try to clamp it down it will reach escape velocity and be mm-hmm. completely unstoppable so if you're getting down about all of this regulatory stuff, what is the answer? Build faster. And I think this is building faster on the social layer, right? So like I mean doing things that, that we're doing from a media perspective, right are, are helpful to that. And it's also obviously a call to developers to build utility faster into the networks, and I just think is, is general uh, fantastic advice for the crypto industry. Uh, thank you, Brian Quintez, for that. Yeah,
1: crypto builders, I dare you to build even faster. (laughs) Don't stop.
0: (laughs) Let's do this take from raul Paul. So he had a take on uh, regulatory stuff as well.
1: Yeah, Raoul says, listening to Gensler and it's clear he is laying down the hardest case he can for regulation of digital assets. But my view is that he will likely get his way that most are going to be classified as securities, but with a wholesale change to what that means. It's like when the internet started to gain traction, authorities tried to impose harsh rules, but in the end they had to. there had to be a grand compromise to not stifle something very important indeed. So the take here that Raoul is saying is like, there's a chance that the SEC is just like, oh, all of your favorite tokens that you have on, in your Ethereum wallet, they're all securities. Maybe that's what happens. But if they do say that, it just really waters down what it means to be a security. It's like, okay, cool. They're securities. Like, now what? What are you going to do about it? Like, you can't regulate all of them. Uh, and uh, again, going back to the whole building faster thing, we should just mint, <laughs> mint more tokens. Mint all the tokens. Yeah. I, I
0: mean, who's going to do the SEC filings for something like Ether, as NASA? Right. Who's going to file it right. like a 10K report? right? right? Like uh, it, it can't, it can't mm-hmm. possibly have the same restrictions as a, a security like um, you know Apple or sure. you know, any other security. And I think that's what he's saying here, that securities will be watered down in their meaning. 100 percent. Let's do this take from J.P. Koning. Um, much of decentralized finance is just cloistered speculation on top of speculation. But here's a neat exception. MakerDAO, a decentralized bank is engaging with the real world by lending $21 million to finance a solar farm in New York. Number one, that's awesome that mm-hmm. MakerDAO is doing this. So this is real world lending using a DeFi protocol. Um, number two, J- J.P. Koning is um, a fantastic writer. I've got a tremendous amount of, of respect for, um, like his understanding of monetary economics and and history and many of these things. But he's definitely a crypto skeptic and he's been a Mm. skeptic all along. Uh, He says much of decentralized finance is just cloistered speculation on top of speculation. But here's this real world thing that's happening. What I just find is interesting with crypto skeptics, David, is they somehow separate um, things into two camps. There's like real world activity. And by that, they mean like, traditional activity so like assets like stocks um, with with cash flows or property or real estate right and then they have the other side which is crypto activity and what's that that's kind of like it's just speculation that's not real world activity it's um, interesting to me it's like what's your definition of real world activity and what's your definition of speculation there's a lot of speculation that happens in the real world and if the metaverse comes to fruition like all of this activity that we're doing in these in these digital worlds, that is going to be the real world. Like, So the definition of real world is going to completely change.
1: Um, that's something else I read in his comments, but what are your thoughts? So there's a spectrum here, right? Like On one end of the spectrum, we have NFT Brock JPEGs that are trading for like 500 ETH. That is straight up whatever he's calling not real, I would definitely call that not real. Like, it's a JPEG of a rock. Like, it's pretty nihilist. Uh, and then on the other side of the spectrum, we have MakerDAO giving out a $21 million loan to finance a solar farm in New York, literally changing the way atoms are oriented in the world. And also, as, as well, like, improving solar, like, which is a very important part of the world to improve upon because of sustainable energy. So that's really nice. At some point in line, there's a there's a line where like just uh, John will say like okay that's fake and that's real, but I do think there is something to say like when crypto does actually impact the way that atoms in the world are structured, it's inarguable how real that becomes. It's like it's it's it's, it's moved out of the it's escaped out of the internet and it's now actually changing atoms. Uh, it's hard to argue with that with saying like oh crypto is just like a bunch of hot air, like well it, not if it's not if it's funding a solar farm. Uh, and so there, I feel like there is that to be said about it. However, I do agree with you. We're like, Hey, like if I can have my ether rock in my like VR metaverse home sitting on my to- table, who's to say that's also not real.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Well said. Um, let's talk about this. This is uh, an image of the Genesis of the Ethereum logo. This is a tweet from, uh, Alex, van van from 2016 uh i didn't know it started as a greek sigma sign apparently and you can see this Mm -hmm. in the image its progression over time to the uh, the ethereum symbol that that we have today
1: yeah i i had no idea that this was true turns out the ethereum logo is two e's superimposed upon each other one rotates to the left one rotates to the to the right then they do some trimming and boom you have the ether logo that's pretty cool Yeah,
0: absolutely. All right, David, that's the end of takes. Let me ask you the question we always Mm -hmm. conclude with, which is what are you excited about right now?
1: Right now, I'm excited for the Pleaser DAO party on Saturday. If I can recover between uh, today and tomorrow, Uh I'll be ready to get back out there. Uh, This week has been absolutely exhausting, so I'm going to take some time off and and rest today and tomorrow. But Pleaser DAO party, the the dog party, the Doge party is going to be a ton of fun. The other thing I'm really excited about is like Ryan. I was walking around Mainnet and at these uh, all these other like satellite parties and satellite events, and like dude, I can't go more than like three steps without somebody saying like, "Hey." Love what you guys do at Bankless, and so uh, <laughs> it's a very fun environment to be around, and so uh, I know ne- it never gets old. It's always a ton of fun to hear it. Uh, I like hearing everyone's stories about how one particular podcast episode re- resonated with them for some reason. Uh, I love the stories. It's a that's fun awesome. time. It's a what, fun vibe. What are like the favorite episodes? Have you told you? That? Oh, uh, it, it's pretty diverse actually. Really, uh, but that's of course, great. the crypto Renaissance is time. always is always up there. That's a, that's a big one, um, and then the the recent Ralph Paul one also came up a bunch <laughs> as well. That's awesome, man. Very cool. Yeah. What are you excited about, Ryan? Um,
0: I'm excited about the, the energy to fight some of the regulatory overreach that's, that's happening in the US. So um, David, David, I tweeted this out yesterday. To my US followers, just because I was curious, have you considered leaving America due to US crypto policy? Why or why not? And I got a massive amount of replies here. Uh, and they varied. Some people were like, I've already left the U.S. Some people were like, no, I'd like to. I don't have the means. Other people were like, no, uh, my roots are too deep here, but, but I'd also like to. But there were a surprising number that fell into the camp of like, hell no, I'm not leaving. We're here to fight this thing, right? And uh, Of which, like, Ryan Selkis was one of them. He said, uh, why should we leave? They're the ones who suck. Which yeah. I think summarized that well, right? Um, so there were a massive amount of replies that were like, Hell no, I'm not leaving. Uh, you know, not to the end. This is one particular reply uh, that, that I enjoyed. The United States, this is from Mr. Goose, the United States reigns in much of global legalization parameters, legislation parameters. Winning the fight here reverberates globally. I'm not running away to protect my business, profits, and self interest. I'll use my platform, funds, and physical body to win this fight on U.S. soil before I run. Wow. These are some resolute defenders of crypto freedom of Mm -hmm. financial sovereignty. And they're here in the U S and they want to make their presence felt in the U S and they're going to stand and they're going to fight this thing because as the poster is is saying, the the tweet is saying like, if not the U S where's the fight going to be fought? Right. Right. Yeah. Like you have to stand somewhere. And so why not stand at least in a country that, that, mimetically anyways, values revolution, values, values freedom. That is kind of America's founding story. So that kind of resonated with me. And that's why personally I'm staying and why personally Mm -hmm. I want to be involved in this fight, whatever capacity I can be. Uh, So yeah, that's what I'm excited about, that people have resolve and we're not going to take this (laughs) sitting down. We are going to fight for this industry and our values and for decentralization for the next generation.
1: And I absolutely resonate with that, right? And if we don't fight them here and we move elsewhere, the, there's a chance that it just follows us, right? And then we have to fight the fight there, right? And so might as well just like get it over with and do it in a, inside of a country that has a good court system rather than one that perhaps doesn't have a good court system. Yeah, absolutely. We, we still have a chance here
0: too. I, I think mm-hmm. it's way too early to, uh, to say – anything has been decided so
1: um crypto is only gaining steam and only gaining political power imagine being like the regulators right they have never gone up against financial markets that also have an insane amount of like tribalism and community and energy behind the assets that they're going after right so it's like i don't even think that they understand what like they're poking a bear it's like you don't want to mess with crypto people like we really, really care about what we're doing. And we've generally made a decent amount of money. And so we have the funds to fight, too. Uh, and so like those two things, really, really powerful combination. Absolutely.
0: All right, David. It's that time, meme of the week time. We got meme this one. <laughs> Raul Paul, this is a classic. Raoul probably didn't <laughs> discover this one. But why don't you describe what it is?
1: Yeah, it's a a classic meme of three people sitting in church pews uh, and the person in the front is labeled me buying what I think is the dip. But then there's a person sitting behind that person with a gun to that person's head unbeknownst to him saying another dip. And then there's a person behind them with another gun to their head saying another dip. And then it zooms out and there's somebody in like the the upper level, the behind everyone with a sniper rifle shooting the last (laughs) dip labeled as another dip Uh, so always be careful when you buy the dips because the dip could keep on dipping
0: that's raul's comment is enjoy the ride this is what you get when you have an 80 volatile asset class with exponential returns buy the dip works in the end but you can't time it to perfection I think that is uh, that is well said from Raul. And we will end the week on this. Of course, none of this has been financial advice. No one can time the dips. ETH is risky. DeFi is risky. You could lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but
1: we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot. Hey, we hope you enjoyed the video. If you did, head over to Bankless HQ right now to develop your crypto investing skills and learn how to free yourself from banks and gain your financial independence. We recommend joining our daily newsletter, podcast and community as a Bankless Premium subscriber to get the most out of your Bankless experience. You'll get access to our market analysis, our alpha leaks, and exclusive content, and even the Bankless token for airdrops, raffles, and unlocks. If you're interested in crypto, the Bankless community is where you want to be. Click the link in the description to become a Bankless Premium subscriber today. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the channel for in-depth interviews with industry leaders, ask me anything, and weekly roll ups where we summarize the week in crypto and other fantastic content. Thanks everyone for watching and being on the journey as we build out the bankless nation.